The Detroit Tigers cannot lose. All season, they've done nothing but lose. And now, at the uh, the season's end, they've got six straight victories. They officially will not lose 100 ball games on the season. I guess that's kind of cool. Minor victories, maybe. Six straight wins is legit, though. We're going to talk about it today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, September 30th. 2022 happy friday everybody thank you for making locked on tigers your first listen every single day we're free and available wherever you get your podcast today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before but online where the game starts okay well the tigers have won six straight you know there was a point I want, I forget exactly what day it was. I forget the date of it, but there was a point, I want to say a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, where I came on here and I was like, you know what, the Tigers, they're, they're destined to lose 100. They would have to go. I think it was with 16 games remaining, they would have had to have gone 8-8. Eight and eight. Does that sound right? I, I'd have to go back to old episodes and try and find what the, the stat that I said, but and I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning, so I'm not really the person to do that. But I remember there was a time not too long ago when we were like, you know what, they'd have to go like 500 from here on out to not lose 100. They're probably going to lose 100 because they are, haven't gone 500 in a stretch really at all this season. It's been a lot of losing. And then Scott Harris comes in. And they're 8-1, and one, I believe. I think they only have one loss since Scott Harris took over. Well, he doesn't actually officially take over until the day after the, the regular season ends. But since he was, since the announcement came that, that he was going to be the new president of baseball ops, the Detroit Tigers have only lost one game, and now they have lost, lost. They have won six straight ball games, back-to-back sweeps, uh, sweeping Chicago in Chicago and now sweeping Kansas City at home. This game was just an absolute punch in the mouth to the Royals. This I mean this was a about as dominant of a win as you'll see from the Detroit Tigers. I know whatever the Royals scored 3 runs at the end there I don't really care. Uh this was this was a a very very good performance by your Detroit Tigers. Um I don't even know where do we start. I don't like do I guess we can just do the offense right now just because like here's the thing. Here's what makes this I'm definitely never gonna complain about it because I like winning and I want us to win. But it it's really difficult to just go full anal not analytics, but like fully analyze and go into a deep dive on offensive performances when they're so clearly the outlier and like again six straight wins eight and one in our last nine or whatever like great all great but it's just it's difficult when you know 
the last like 150 games, 155 games have just been no offense at all. It's kind of hard to be like, well, on September 29th, they scored 10 though. Let's take a deep look at why this might be sustainable. Like, no, I'm not, A, I'm not falling for that again. B, even if it is, congrats, it was sustainable for the last week of the season. So it's it's kind of a, like, between a rock and a hard place because I I, I do want to celebrate that, and we are. Like, again, I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to not celebrate this victory. I, I like winning more than anything. I, I want the Tigers to win ball games, So that's great. It's just when it comes to the analyzing part of this job, it's difficult to be like, oh, well, he did this well, and that's why he's headed in the right direction. Like, nope, I, I've been fooled by that 17 times this year. I'm not doing it again. Um, but for whatever it is worth, there are some noteworthy performances, a lot of noteworthy performances. Jonathan Scope, with a couple of hits, uh, you know, I'm not sure there's really anything he can do in the last the week of the season to change what was going to happen in the offseason with him anyway. Now, whether that was, hey, we're keeping him, he, like he might be on the team next year. I just don't think if the decision was, you know, no, we're, we're going to cut our ties here with, with Scopey, that him getting hot in the last week of the season really changes that. But still nice to see, still nice to get some offense. He had a really good game in this one. Willie Castro with a couple of knocks. He's like a, a for whatever, he, he's always somewhat controversial online just because like he's Willie Castro, I guess. Him and Victor Reyes, just for like no reason, are super controversial. But the thing with Willie is I, I think a lot, a lot of people want to have the debate of like, is he here next year or not? I don't think they're going to look at him and go, you know what, we, we're going to go out of our way to make sure that you're not back, which I think they will do with, I mean, more than one person. <laughs> I'm not going to say a lot, but it's going to be a higher number than one that they're going to let go this offseason. I'm not sure he really makes that list of like, yeah, let's just, we need a, a replacement definitely. But he's definitely not like an 100% lock kind of person either. I mean, going into this season, he wasn't even an 100% lock, if you remember back to spring training of this year. So did he even start in the majors? I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to just want to sit here and just stare in silence and try and think back. but Or, or at least maybe he was in Toledo like early on. I, there was something there where like, I, you know, Willie was not this – guarantee you know utility of, of the Detroit Tigers like coming out of spring training is just my point so I, I think in an offseason where we are expected and assuming that we're going to be getting better and bringing in outside talent I don't know where that leaves Willie Castro I think that that kind of puts him in a weird spot kind of rocking a hard place for him too so we'll see what happens but really good uh outing in this one I his swing is optically like pleasing like it is it looks really it's a sweet swing when he's hitting the ball well it's just he swings out a lot and there's some pitches where you go okay well maybe maybe not that one champ you know tucker barnhart fantastic game uh really was was on top of mistakes which is just something and he was hitting the ball really hard too just again 
kind of in the same conversation as scope him getting hot at the end of the season is not going to change anything I, I don't think there's any scenario in which tucker barnhart is on this team next season um 552 ops after a three-hit game tough tough year tough year offensively for for uh for barnhart Ryan Kreider had a really nice hit, uh, scored some, what, one RBI on that hit. He had a really nice hit to the left side. Um, uh, he still, like, he takes profession, pretty professional at-bats. They're gritty at-bats. It's just we, we, I want him to hit the ball harder. So it was nice to see that today. Uh, he did have two strikeouts, but still when he did hit the ball, it was good contact. Akil Badu led off this game. He was the leadoff hitter and went 0 for 5. Um, you know, well – he had he had a really hard hit ball, didn't he? He had a really hard hit ball down the line there, um, but and and I like giving him a look just at the top of the lineup, just because hey, we want to give him some more at bats. Like that logic totally tracks. But just a really really brutal season for Akil Badu, and it's it's sad. That's really I, I think the word I, I want to use. It is it is sad because. He not like hype and everything aside, he was just such a good story. He was such, there, there was no better story in baseball for like the first two months of the season than Akil Badu. And, and it just, it's so sad that it kind of came crashing and tumbling down this year. And he has really, really struggled. You definitely can't pencil him in as an opening day starter. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Let's get into, I do want to talk about Javi Baez as well. I think that's kind of it. So we'll get into Javi and then we'll go to the pitching side of things. After I tell you all about our friends over at betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every team you can find and as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb mma boxing and even golf so head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. I greatly appreciate y'all. So we talked to Cuba, dude. Riley Green, nothing really changed. He puts together good at-bats, still swinging a little too much, still want to see more power. Uh, the biggest thing, well, the biggest offensive showing, I well, it might be Tucker Barnhart, but Javi Baez. And this one looked really solid. He was all over it, right? Didn't have a strikeout in this game. Was all over Kansas City pitching off rip. Uh, went two for four with a home run. But even in the two at-bats that he didn't record hits in, just really looked like he was all over it. And like now he, he's hitting the ball so hard in the last month of the season where he has a chance to end the season with a slugging percentage over 400, which is still over the full length of the season, not where we want it. We want that to be like still, I I mean, I would love it to be a hundred points higher, right? A hundred points higher, still not anything to write home about, but 
it was in like the mid or even low 300s like a month and a half ago. And he's been on a tear in September. It's been documented by a lot of people. He's been hitting the ball really well in September. Now, that still comes with the territory of some really bad-looking strikeouts. But overall, he has hit the ball really well the last like five weeks. And I, I don't want to be a broken record for, for those of you who listen every single day, but this is why he would be such a good supporting cast player. He would be such a good like fourth or fifth best player on a baseball team because when he's hot, he's hot and he's got an OPS in the mid-high 800s, even low 900s for stretches. You know what I mean? Small stretches. But, like, we saw what happened in the second half of last season when he was with the Mets. We're now seeing what's been happening in the month of September. He has the ability to just go fuego, and it's just it's so frustrating when he's – expected to be the best dude on the team every single night because you're not going to get that performance every single night even on the stretches where he has an 880 OPS in the last four weeks or whatever you're not going to get consistent 880 OPS level of play every single night but when he's hot he's hot and so that is why I just I maintain this belief that the fan base would be way less frustrated at him. He'd get significantly less hate. And I think that people would actually really like him and his antics and the the, the way that he acts on the field and that competitive nature and, and all of all of that that comes with Javi, the Javi Baez experience. I think people would love it if he wasn't the best player on the team. I think that's I think that that's where the frustration comes in. I'm just saying that it's still possible that this contract at the end of it isn't looked at as an absolute joke. And I'm not saying it's a guarantee either before I get people, oh my goodness, like you're such an apologist. I can't believe <laughs> stuff I'm told. But like I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm just saying that there is still a a lot of hope that can be salvaged next season and going forward with Javi. It's just about the rest of the team that we end up putting around him in my eyes more than it is like, like we shouldn't even be having that terminology should not be used. I should not be saying what we put around Javi Baez. He shouldn't be the person you're building around. He should be one of the key pieces you are putting around someone else who you're, who you're building around. Hope that makes sense. Okay, let's get to the pitching side of things because Erod had a heck of a game in this one. Six and two-thirds, five hits, no earned runs, four walks, and three strikeouts. The four walks is a little – like, he he did issue four walks. Like, that's objectively true. But I don't want to say misleading, but, like, a little, like, not quite – because he, he walked three in an inning before getting pulled, right? So – Yes, he ended with four walks, but through six, he had six innings, five hits, no earned runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. I thought this was 
some of the best he's looked in a while. And it, I, I know three strikeouts you look at and you go, oh, that's kind of a low number. He had 14 whiffs. It's a really solid number, not only for Erod, just given what we've seen from him this season, because he he has, especially lately, he hasn't really been in that territory, but um, he found a swing and miss pitch in this game, and that made him lethal. The changeup, he had seven whiffs on. 15 times a Kansas City Royals player swung at a changeup. It was whiffed seven of those 15 times. It was almost whiffed half of the time people swung at it for an 102-pitch outing. He looked great. CSW percentage was 26%. Not going to get a ton of called strikes. He had eight on the four-seam fastball. Just didn't really have any besides that. But between the four-seam as the setup pitch to get a called strike or a foul ball, and then the changeup as the closer pitch to get a swing and a miss or or be a strikeout pitch, this was an unbelievably effective outing. And the biggest thing was, again, we talk about all the time, Erod is never going to be the pitcher, and you should never have expected him to be the pitcher to come in and have a, a 12 or 13 strikeout like performance. Like he's always going to be three is a little low, but he's always going to be in that like four to six, four to seven strikeout range in my eyes. And the reason for that is because when he's on, he is elite at missing barrels. When he's on, he he has the potential to be so good at getting soft contact just ground ball after ground ball after ground ball after ground ball and he's great at it when he is on and in this game he was on the pitch mix was fantastic through the cutter 15 times the sinker 25 times the changeup 26 times the four seam fastball 30 times that's a heck of a pitch mix there um, and the average exit velocity for the entire outing was just under 82 miles an hour that is great changeup Again, seven whiffs, but even on top of that, it was put in play five times for an average exit velo of 72. It did not get barreled once. That's fantastic. Uh, he, he just looked he looked great. He looked great. He was hitting spots, and the biggest thing was, before the command completely fell off the face of the planet in the seventh inning, the biggest reason for it was the four-seam fastball command was stellar for the first three, four innings. It was impeccable. And when his four-seam fastball is on and he can put that whenever he, wherever he wants it, to then go to the changeup following up right after or the sinker that moves a different way than his four-seam and his sinker and a cutter, which moves a different way than all the three other pitches listed before, he gets he misses a ton of barrels. A lot of balls hit off the end of the bat or in on the hands to lefties. And, well, I guess the opposite because he is a lefty, but you get the point. And he he has the ability to reach into his bag and get some swings and misses too. This is outside of the three walks there at the end of the outing. That's obviously not something you'd like to see. But besides that, that like that, that is the epitome of what makes Erod so great and why he was so effective in this game. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Good to see. He's probably going to have, what, one more outing? Maybe he'll start one of the last games of the season there next week, probably. Um, so we'll see, man. I, I still I still like this contract. I still like what I've seen from him. I still like him as a part of this team going forward. I still like this deal. 
I, I'm very pro Erod still being on this team, even after the crazy season we just had with him this year. We'll break it down a, a lot more in depth when we do our season grades for each player and everything in the off season. Um, but I, I'm still a big fan of of this move. I, I still really like him on this team, and performances like this are where you point at and you go like, "Dang, you know, when he's on, he, you know, the ability to just get a double play whenever you want. You, you walk the leadoff hitter. Okay, great. I'm Erod." I'm just going to do a double play right now. And it happens. So effective. He's good, man. He's really good. All right. Let's get into, I guess, the bullpen and then just other news and notes from around uh, the team right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here to our third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate all of y'all. Okay, so let's talk. Let's just talk the bullpen. We'll finish up this game. We'll talk bullpen, and then we'll do kind of some outside stuff around the team. Um, Jason Foley pitched in this one. Uh, The last out he recorded in the seventh, I thought he looked good. And then the start of the next inning, it all kind of fell apart there. Gave up a lot of hits, earned runs to his name, walks, etc. Wasn't very effective uh, in the, geez, innings are hard, in the eighth inning. <laughs> um, the I mean, and again, we, we talked about it yesterday. The biggest thing with him is just going to be sinker command is obviously like forever going to be the most important thing for an outing for him because that's the pitch he throws the most. It's his best pitch. He should be throwing it the most. First and foremost, that's just very important. I didn't think he had very good command there in the eighth inning, even though he weirdly did in the seventh. Maybe he's just sitting on the bench for a while. I don't know. But so that that's going to be the biggest thing for him. But it's also the you don't want to walk that line of like, oh, am I a pitch to contact guy because I throw a sinker and I can get ground balls or am I going to be, you know, my sinker moves a ton. Am I going to be a swing and miss guy? If you can do both, which I think he has the potential to, you're going to be great. But if you can't decide which one you want to do, and given the situation, you you don't really know what the game plan is, that's not going to work. And I thought maybe in the eighth inning, uh, there was a lot of situations where I, you know, he went slider, and I thought he was getting a little too cute and trying to get swings and misses that he just clearly wasn't getting. Uh, then went like went back to the sinker, and I was like, okay, I thought we were trying to get like a, a strikeout here, and now we're not all of a sudden. I, I thought the pitch mix in the eighth was a little whack, but still really solid. The first out he got, the, the third out of the seventh inning, I thought he looked good, and I still really like his uh, his potential and everything going forward. I just like to really microanalyze him specifically because he kind of came out of nowhere, and I really I really like him a lot. Angel Jesus in this game again. That sinker moves a ton as well. I love watching Angel Jesus pitch. He goes one and two-thirds, one hit, no earned runs to his name, no walks, no strikeouts either. His sinker moves a lot, and he's only throwing it right now pretty much. He threw it 13 of 16 times. Oh, my goodness, bro. Sorry, my nose got itchy. <laughs> um. So I I really like I really like him a lot. And so he's so sinker heavy at the moment that I don't think he's going to be in a position where he's going to get too many swings and misses right now. I think it's developable. But 
for the remainder uh, where he's at currently, I think he's going to be largely a, a pitch to contact guy, but that thing moves so much. It's really hard to barrel up. I think uh, I got barreled up once, I believe in 16 pitches in this outing. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I really like what I've seen and, and he was, you know, six balls put in play and he recorded five outs. So like, that's, that's the type of pitcher he is, but I, I really like it for missing barrels. I, that thing moves a ton. I love the shape of it. It's, it goes mid nineties, you know, 95. I, I really like what I've seen out of him. I'm, I'm really intrigued. As I said, I think yes, just yesterday, two days ago, I, I really, uh, I, I kind of want him to stick around and be on the 40 man at least next year, whether that's in AAA or the majors. Okay, so that's it for this game. Really impressive victory. Six straight wins. Winning a lot since Scott Harris took over. I don't know. Like, everybody loves to ask me, oh, like, is, you know, are are they playing because, like, Scott Harris is here and they want to save their jobs? I mean, like, maybe. I don't, like, I, I don't think it's as black and white as just, like, oh, my goodness, you know. They they got a new head of, of player ops and now – they're going to start performing really well and they're going to take big steps in, in the right direction and try and all save their jobs. Like, I don't think it's that black and white, but I'm sure it's, it's something in the back of their heads. I'm sure it's something they've thought about. Like he, he introduced himself to the clubhouse or some of the players or whatever, what three over the weekend. So last weekend. So like, I'm sure, I, I'm sure that that is something they actively think about, but I don't think that they were just unmotivated. I don't think that all these are professional athletes making hundreds of thousands at the, at the least, you know, they're, they're making millions of dollars. Most of them. Like I, I think they are, they're plenty motivated. They are very competitive human beings. That's why they made it to the top. I, I don't think that this is just like, Oh, Scott Harris came in. We're going to all turn into like really good. <laughs> I don't think it's that straightforward, but I'm sure that they've thought about it. Um, update literally right now. I just got this notification mid recording from Jason Beck of MLB.com. Willie Castro's season is over after he strained his left hamstring today. Expect a roster move tomorrow from the Tigers once they track down where all the mud hens went after their season ended Wednesday in Iowa. So you will have a corresponding move to that. But also, the Tigers, we didn't talk about it yesterday because it didn't happen when I recorded. It didn't happen before I recorded yesterday's show. Uh, but the Detroit Tigers have also made roster moves where they placed Matt Manning on the 60-day IL and Kerry Carpenter on the 10-day IL. Uh, Cody Clemens back from AAA to replace Kerry Carpenter. And then Miguel Diaz from AAA was selected. Now, everybody kind of freaked out at the 60-day IL thing. There's a week left in the season. So, A, like there's not 60 games for him to be on the IL for. Uh, the reason that it was 60 is because they decided he wasn't going to pitch anymore. And when you put someone on the 60-day IL, they do not take up a 40-man roster spot anymore. If they're on the 10-day IL, they do. So that's why they did it. They just wanted to free up a 40-man spot. That's why Miguel Diaz was the pick. He'll probably get some innings in here, most likely out of the bullpen uh, for the – but, like, you know, Will Vest started a game two days ago. So, like, who knows? Um, but, yeah, that that's just all. I, I wouldn't look at that as – 
oh, he went on the 60. This is much more severe than we thought or something. Like, no, they just wanted to free up a 40-man roster spot, and there's a week left in the season. That's all. Uh, as far as the injury, it's a right forearm strain. That doesn't sound great, give, even though I just said everything I just said, and I believe all that, and that's all objectively true. You know, throwing arm forearm strain doesn't sound great either. He sounds fine with it. He sounds pretty okay, given the the uh, interview they had with him after the game. Uh, no one seems to be too alarmed by it within the organization. So I, I'm going to not be. Um, but, you know, he, he's had a lot of injuries this season, obviously. Uh, not Not a great way to end the season. It's just, I think I tweeted something like this out, but it's just even though we've lost a ton of games and ha- like can barely score runs for a majority of the season, there's still never a dull moment. I think Cody Staven Higgins and something like that too. Never a dull moment with this team. Uh, the only other thing I want to bring up is that Javi- with Javi, ba- I tweeted this out too with Javi Baez's home run. He has 16 on the season, which means I've been doing it like a, keeping track and sending out tweets every once in a while, kind of reminding people that the team leader for the 2019 Detroit Tigers had 15 home runs and it was Brandon Dixon. And with just how poor the offense had been this year, it was kind of looking like the Tigers might not have had someone finish with more home runs than Brandon Dixon did in 2019. But alas, Javi Baez goes yard for his 16th homer of the season on September 29th. We have less than a week left in the season, and we finally got someone to hit more than 15 home runs. Very demoralizing stuff, but we'll see. See what happens this offseason. I think that's all I got for you. Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check out the ML- Lockdown MLB rather podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I think that's all I got for you. Everybody have a good weekend. Uh, go Lions. Go whatever college in the state you root for. I'm a Wolverine fan, unfortunately. For well, not unfortunately for me, we're winning a lot. But unfortunately for the uh, the Sparty faithful out there, and yeah, I think that's all I got. Peace and love, going to therapy's dope. I'll catch y'all on Monday, baby. Go Tigers.